I'm Julie Douglas, host of The Stuff of Life, a podcast that teases apart the tales we tell because when we crack open a story and look inside, we see the seeds of what make our world so maddening, so strange, and so achingly beautiful. The Stuff of Life is a podcast about how we're all just getting by, learning and surviving through the stories that we share. We'll look at everything from fear and what fuels it, the inconceivability of death and our desire to become immortal, to the big universal question in life, why don't men dance? Join me for the first episode on January 27th. You can find The Stuff of Life on iTunes or any other podcast provider. Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And if you're listening to this episode when it comes out, this is our very first Stuff Mom Never Told You of the new year. That's right. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. So we figured that talking about fortune telling might be appropriate because... Tis the season for us to anticipate the year ahead of us. Yes, and my prediction for so many people, including myself, is that you'll probably start working out again. And then about two weeks from now, stop, because you'll be tired. That's my prediction. Yeah, I predict that my yoga classes will be so full Uh through Valentine's Day. Yeah. And then we'll start to taper off. Um, But looking at... The profession of psychic, which is kind of an umbrella term, yeah, was really fascinating and also a little bit frustrating because as ubiquitous as the psychic is and has been throughout our history and around the world, it's such a marginalized job and even pop cultural figure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talked about in an episode long, long ago, we talked about mediums. And how women dominated that arena. And it's it's the same today, I would argue, that more women are both psychics and are thought to be psychics. Yeah. So what I was really interested in for researching this episode was why we think of women as psychics. Because if you look up a stock image, for instance, of a psychic or a fortune teller. It's going to be an older woman wearing a headscarf and jewels and with her gnarled hands over a crystal ball. So where did she come from and why are so many storefront psychics still women today? And for millennial listeners, I wonder if part of our perception of women as psychics has to do with one of the most famous psychics of our generation, Caroline, Miss Cleo. Oh, Miss Cleo. She of the commercials every five minutes when I was growing up, it felt like I was very familiar with Miss Cleo. Yeah, so Miss Cleo, for those of you who don't know, was the spokesperson for the Psychic Readers Network from 1997 to 2002. And her catchphrase was, call me now. So simple, yet so deceitful, because she would, on all these infomercials, uh, she would take a call and, of course, make some kind of uh, prediction for these people who often just sounded like very lonely. And she would then look at the viewers and say, 
call me now for your free psychic reading. But of course, the psychic readings weren't exactly so free, nor was she exactly who she claimed to be, which was like a, a Jamaican priestess. Yeah. No, I mean, she wasn't even Jamaican. She didn't even really have an accent. She just affected a Jamaican accent because it in some way made her more believable as this like psychic voodoo priestess lady. Yeah, because it turns out that Miss Cleo is actually Re Paris, who, before she got her gig with Psychic Readers Network, was a Seattle playwright who created a character named Cleo in her play for women only, which apparently she bamboozled all of the people involved with this play out of their money, too. And so then she skipped town and next lands on our television screens as Miss Cleo full-time. Oh, yeah. Super celeb of the 90s. So apparently these Psychic Reader Network phone calls, if you wanted to call up and chat with Miss Cleo about your love life uh, or whatever your concern was, uh, it was supposed to be free. She's like, call me and we'll chat for free because I'm I'm amazing and giving and I'm a an amazing psychic priestess lady. Uh, and that's just not true, really, because for the first five minutes, they would just keep you on the phone getting personal information. And so the average call actually could run you about 60 bucks. Yeah. Um, and because of this, uh, I think it was actually True TV Network <laughs> that first looked into the Psychic Reader Network and found that they were making money hand over fist and raked in like a billion dollars mm-hmm. um, during this time period. And so, of course, there are all sorts of lawsuits um, against Psychic Readers Network and I think Miss Cleo herself for falsely representing this service and not emphasizing enough that it was for entertainment purposes only. Yeah, she skirted any major trouble, though. I mean, she was put out of a job, but she never went to jail or anything like that. She just went off to, I think, Florida? I think probably. Because that makes sense. I, I think it's Florida, but even if it's not, it's probably Florida. Uh, and it's just, you know, walking around Best Buy with people approaching her, asking, you know, should I call you now? And I'm sure she still she still affects a Jamaican accent. There was was it the Vice interview where where they're like, are you using a voice right now? And she's like, oh, no, you know, now that I'm older and my my mouth is just looser, I just talk like this. And it's like, you're so you're so full of it, Miss Cleo. Yeah, she insists that it is part of her heritage and she stands by her claims as being taught voodoo specifically, which she told Vice was a little too taboo for Psychic Readers Network. So they made her out to be more of a psychic because that was a little of a friendlier term um, and that she still does psychic readings today, that that's still kind of her bread and butter. But because of all of the, the visibility of Miss Cleo and also sort of the lampooning of her, as well as the legal troubles involved mm-hmm. with Psychic Readers Network. I think that's a big reason why we, you know, look at psychics today with an especially skeptical eye. Well, sure. I mean, it's crazy to me reading those figures about how much money the Psychic Readers Network and Miss Cleo brought in. But it... <laughs> The more you read, the more it makes so much sense because source after source, when you're looking at whether it's psychic abilities or things like astrology, numerology, tarot, which will be our next episode, um, so many people who reach out to these so-called professionals are looking for love advice. These people are lonely. These people are desperate. And they oftentimes find themselves filling this role of 
counselor of what Karen Gregory over at New Inquiry called part of the support staff. She was looking or talking specifically about psychics in New York City. And she said, considering the long and rich history of the psychic reader in the city, we can say that she's always been a member of the city's support staff, offering reassurance and comfort to urban dwellers. But in today's market, the psychic has also become the very model of entrepreneurial effective labor. So you've got lots of issues. You've got the gendering of psychics. People think of psychics as women. You've got an emotional labor aspect. So people who are trying to get jobs and earn money as psychics and psychic-related positions are oftentimes having to rely on that old pesky emotional labor that we talk about a lot on the podcast in terms of being very empathetic and putting on this act and listening to people's problems and trying to convince them of things, whether it's stuff in their love life or their professional life. And the thing is... Not all psychics are Miss Cleo's feigning these characters just to dupe people out of some money. There are a lot of people out there who take their psychic work very seriously and are very sincere about it. There's even a psychic school in London where you can go and and hone your abilities. But really, in, in reading a Wall Street Journal article about this school, it's as much about honing your emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and rapport with people as it is what we might think of as psychic. But speaking of what we think of as psychic, I think it's worth clarifying what psychics do because they aren't necessarily telling the future. It's not just the whole looking into a crystal ball thing because generally speaking, psychics use supernatural or mystical talents to gain insight, maybe on the future, but also on the past or the present. And they're distinct from mediums like Long Island medium. With that that platinum blonde hair uh, who channels spirits and the dead and also have successful reality TV show empires. There are air quotes around channel, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Teresa, apparently Teresa can do some incredible work on Long Island. I don't know. Just I could not I could not be more skeptical. Skeptical is way too weak of a word. So how do these people supposedly communicate and and connect with the past and with the future. Well, there's lots of techniques, people. You've got palm reading, tarot, dream interpretation, aura reading, numerology, tea leaves. People can even read your coffee grounds in uh, Turkish coffee cups. Yeah, I love finding out all of the, the various ways that we have um, <laughs> attempted to divine these these supernatural elements because... This is also coming from around the world. Yeah. And basically, the takeaway is humans are really obsessed with figuring out whatever way they can to explain the world around them through things like interpreting hysterical laughter. Yeah. That would be gelomancy. That's my favorite, I think, because I have been accused of having sort of a disruptive laugh from time to time. Often, actually. Especially when you're at a psychic. Yeah. Uh, people in movie theaters have turned around and looked at me. So, Well, I think one uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, since I do love crazy cat ladies, would be philodomancy, which is predicting the future via cats. Yeah, apparently when a cat sneezes, something's supposed to happen. That's supposed to mean something. Like maybe <laughs> your house is dusty. Yeah, it's not the same. I think it means you need to swiffer. <laughs> Um, and then there's also scrying, which I learned is the technical term for peering into a reflective object like a crystal ball. But mm. 
it's not just about the mechanics of, say, you know, if this was like way back when and you uh, were looking at the blood drippings from some animal intestines that you had just removed. Um, it's also, especially today, about building rapport with a client and asking questions, yes, to find out more information and also see what resonates emotionally. And Zaina K. Corkman is a sociologist who spent a lot of time with uh, coffee ground Turkish psychics. So they're the ones who are reading, you know, the grounds in Turkish tea. And um, she, the way she puts it is that psychic readings are really about experiencing and expressing emotions. Mm. But if you're serious about becoming a psychic reader. Oh, am I? <laughs> yes. Side hustle, Caroline. <laughs> Trust me. You know, I'm on it. Lady bosses need them. Um, Karen Gregory, uh, who spent a lot of time with psychics in New York, noted uh, in her piece in the New Inquiry that if you are serious about becoming a psychic reader, that you would not ethically stand for cold readings. And that's their in term for essentially baiting someone for information mm-hmm. and, and duping them. Well, here's the thing. Side question. So, I mean, I, I'm going to really shock a lot of people here when I say that I don't believe in psychic abilities or that psychic abilities exist at all. But I predicted you were going to say that, Caroline. Oh, my God. Well, you and I are connected anyway, so it's fine. As evidenced by the fact that you and I are both wearing our magical fortune teller robes today. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't we didn't plan that at all. No. But I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm reading all this stuff with you, Kristen, and we were researching all this stuff about psychics and how it's, it has way more to do with empathy and being able to really read the person across the table from you and, and sort of make your questions as statements to try to get a reaction, engage how people react. Why wouldn't you just be a therapist? At that point, like, that's my question. Like, if you if you are so good at reading people and counseling them, why would you not just like, is it is it too much time to go to school to become like a licensed marriage and family counselor or something? Well, I think that the big distinction between a therapist or even a life coach and a psychic would be that the psychic is going to give you more direct advice of what you should do based on something that they're reading. There's still, it, it takes it a few steps farther, obviously, because there is that mystical connection that people are drawn to. I mean, it's the same reason in a lot of ways people are drawn to organized religion. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And, and that is, I think, part of human nature, which we'll talk, I mean, more about in this episode and the next about people, humans, if this is just natural to be drawn to Something or a person or a system or a religion or whatever that helps you make sense of the universe around you. Yeah. And going to a psychic, consulting a psychic, getting your palm read or your aura read is not a fringe activity. I was actually listening to Call Your Girlfriend uh, a couple weeks ago, for instance, and they were talking to Tavi Gevinson, who was saying how much she loves getting her aura read. Now, I have a feeling that, I mean, I don't want to put words in Tavi's mouth, but it seemed like it's more of a lark than something that she really like bases her life around. Um, but that jumped out to me, especially as I was reading about the whole psychic industry. My boss at my last job was adorable and crazy. And uh, hey, Carol. And uh, she loved to fluff people's auras, which I always would tease her. I was like, this is a euphemism, isn't it? But she made me lie down on the floor at work. Gross carpet. Ew. But she had me lie down on the floor and she like 
put her hands just like millimeters above me and like moved them around in certain ways. And she said she was fluffing my aura and don't I feel better. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess I got to lie down and close my eyes. but <laughs> She just tricked you into taking a nap. I know. Best boss ever. <laughs> But the thing is, this is not a fringe group of people. According to the 2009 Pew Center on Religion and Public Life survey, 15% of Americans have consulted a fortune teller or psychic. And especially as we see among our millennial generation, us going to church less than we used to, you see a rise in us getting into more of these occult practices And that number is probably higher than it was back in 2009 because the psychic industry has benefited from post-recession discretionary spending. In 2014, for instance, the industry brought in a billion dollars. Well, I mean, it's not just post-recession spending. There's lots of trend articles out there from a couple years ago talking about how people during the recession, uh, during the thick of it, I should say, were consulting a lot of like, quote unquote, financial psychics trying to get help on what do I do with my investments? How am I going to lose money, earn money? What am I going to do? Help me. Yeah. Should I go back to grad school? What should I do? Um, and in along with, though, the success that the industry has had in recent years, there has also been more tightening of regulations around it because of incidents like the whole psychic readers uh, network fraud and There have been so many high-profile cases of people being tricked out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. There was a guy, I think in New York, who spent almost a million dollars so that a love curse could be broken, so he could get back together with this woman. But wasn't she dead? And the woman was dead! Yes. And that's the thing. There comes a point when it's like, people are crazy. Yeah, I was reading, there was an Exo Jane column from this girl who had, as a teenager, worked as an online... Uh, tarot card reader, not to like give her whole next episode away, but she was writing about how this guy every night would get on chat, the, the tarot chat and like bug the crap out of her about how he was in love with this woman. And she, she told me to stay away from her and that she never wanted to see me. But what does that really mean? How do I get with her? Every night he would get on this girl's tarot chat and ask her how to do that. And she's like, I had to stop because That guy was not exactly one in a million. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who are completely delusional and who are willing to use psychics, tarot, astrology, what have you, to justify like crazy motivations in their lives. Well, and that goes to the main reason people see psychics, which is usually for relationship-related advice. It's for those unanswerable questions, you know. It's also why in the past... When I've gone through breakups, I read my horoscope all the time. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Let me back up here and and be totally hypocritical. Well, I guess not totally. I'm, I'm a chunk hypocritical because I love reading my horoscope. I mean, I don't believe it and I don't think that it necessarily means anything or is true, but I still love looking at it. Yeah. I, I have found comfort in my horoscopes before. Yeah. For whatever reason, knowing that, yes, it probably does not actually mean anything, but I think just seeing words in print along the lines of something better will happen. <laughs> like, okay, okay, good. Well, let's get out of bed now. 
Yeah, I really like actually Free Will Astrology by Rob Bresney. I actually get it emailed to me every week just because they're so quirky. Like even if it, it wouldn't even necessarily have to, he could call it something other than horoscopes and it would still be really quirky and entertaining. And we have research, in fact, to confirm our hunch that the appeal of horoscopes, psychics, etc., has to do with us making sense of the world. Uh, there was a 2013 study from the University of Queensland, which found an unsurprising correlation between people's belief in psychics and their sense of control over their lives. Meaning the psychics helped them feel more in control? In a way. I mean, it's sort of uh, duping yourself yeah. into believing that you have some answers or some explanations as to why things are or to what you should do. And again, I have a feeling that you would find similar results for people with really strong, more traditional religious beliefs as well. Yeah. And going back to that Dr. Corkman that Kristen mentioned earlier, she found that women, young people, and LGBTQ-identified clients are the most common people who seek out psychics. And the way that Karen Gregory puts it in that New Inquiry article makes perfect sense as to why marginalized groups are more likely to see a psychic. She wrote, against a backdrop of limited opportunity and the increased perception that the future is precarious and risky, these practitioners offer the simple reassurance that a life has meaning, perhaps even a destiny, and that you, as an autonomous self, are a source of agency and potential. And that's amazing. That's that's true, and I, I completely understand it in the same way that some people might find that by being a dedicated member of a church or a temple uh, or some other people might uh, volunteer to feel like they're a part of something bigger or, or what have you. It falls under that same category of feeling like I'm not alone and I have purpose. Well, and what a lofty job description, too. What do you do? Well, I'm a psychic, <laughs> which means I give people a sense of autonomy and agency and destiny and that they have a purpose in this world. It's like, oh, that's an interesting way mm-hmm. of putting it. Um, but... The big question that we need to answer is why are most people claiming this job title? Ladies, what is it about psychics? So we're going to talk about that when we come right back from a quick break. So here's the thing, Caroline. When it comes to the question of why we think of psychics as women, why most psychics are women, there isn't really a tidy answer to it because, I mean, for one thing, there isn't a whole lot of data on the psychic industry because it has been so marginalized and it's considered this sort of fringe entertainment thing. There isn't a lot of uh, scholarly insight on its history and its current operations. Um, and also considering how big it is historically. I mean, if, if you look into practically any culture at any point in the world, you have some kind of fortune teller psychic thing going on. Yeah. You've got Greek mythology, which focuses on 
lots of sort of psychic leaning ladies and oracles. You have the figure of Cassandra in Greek mythology, who could be considered one of the original lady psychics. I mean, she's more of a prophet, but according to the drama Agamemnon, uh, Apollo gave her the gift of prophecy in exchange for hooking up with her. That's great. Yeah, but Cassandra was like, no, 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 Apollo, I'm going to take the prophecy um, and you can service yourself. Oh, oh, but Apollo didn't like that. No, he he cursed her with the whole thing that nobody would ever actually believe her predictions. That's got to be frustrating. Well, and that also sounds a little bit like how we perceive psychics today, where it's like he cursed all women. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Because we probably attribute it to like, oh, well, of course, women are psychics. I think they're psychic because they're all, you know, it's just their their menses. Ah, their empathy. Yeah, their menses empathy. But um, in the Britannica article on divination, it noted that it happens in, in practically every culture around the world. I mean, it's it's just this human impulse, it seems like. Yeah. What book were we looking at that was talking about mediums and psychics in the media? So that was a book by Karen Beeler called Seers, Witches, and Psychics on Screen, an analysis of women visionary characters in recent television and film. Well, in the intro, she goes into a discussion of perhaps, you know, all the way from Greek mythology to a modern TV show, we think of psychics as being women and vice versa because it's not as action-packed a role as the traditional hero who is traditionally male or masculine. Um, and so that's one possible explanation for the origins of our association that, you know, women, we've got all of the stereotypical like separate spheres. Women are tending and befriending it at home or at the temple. So they're more likely to stereotypically and traditionally and mythologically uh, be inside fortune telling as opposed to being outside, you know, slaying the beasts or whatever. Well, and when you think about it, it's a very passive role. Psychics are often these empty vessels that allow other forces to communicate through them. So we're much more comfortable with a woman traditionally in that kind of a passive role. I mean, even if we take it more literally, women as empty vessels, hello, having babies. Floating uteruses? I was thinking of your uterus in place and, and filled with a baby. Oh, I was that then comes out. I was just thinking your uterus as being like so empty except for good ideas. Just I full wish. of good ideas. I think our history would have been so much different if people had thought our empty wombs were just full of good ideas. But we're cursed by Apollo for no one to believe us. No one to believe our uteruses. We are all Cassandra. That's why we're having the Planned Parenthood debate. It's because nobody believes our uteruses. It's because Apollo. (laughs) (laughs) And it's notable, too, that the occult, generally speaking, is one of like the only non-patriarchal realms of spirituality there is. So there's been room for women um, to not only play parts, but also have leadership in these aspects. I mean, I highly, highly, highly recommend listeners, if you um, are into this topic, go back and listen to our podcast a while back, uh, asking the question, were mediums the first feminists? Because um, in the United States, in the mid-19th century, these women named the Fox Sisters essentially created this religion called spiritualism, 
which involved all sorts of mediumship and psychic reading and tarot reading. And women who also became suffragists were so into it because it gave them a platform for the very first time. Yeah, it gave them a platform. And it was also sort of the same way that Protestant religion split off from Catholic the Catholic religion and gave people a direct connection to the Bible and to God. I mean, mediumship is not that different. It's it's quite parallel in that it, it's giving people, in this case, a lot of women, a direct connection to an otherworldly realm. And people who some people who were stereotypically very connected to the otherworldly realm were the Roma. And that's where we get this image of the uh, the the carnival gypsy with all of her jewels and big earrings and crystal ball. Yeah, in Brooke Bunce's History of the Crystal Ball at Broadly, which I highly recommend you read, uh, she notes that traveling Roma in America were the go-to carnival and standalone fortune tellers by the 1930s. Now, of course, this is where we get a little bit of uh, racism, I think, mm-hmm. in our perception of fortune tellers as frauds because um, the Roma people are usually hated for being fraudulent and being thieves and pickpockets and things like that. So we have this uh, this othering of this group. I mean, and it's not just in the United States. It's issues um, wherever they've been. Um, but that's where that stereotypical image comes from. And one thing that I also didn't find a good source on, but I'm curious to know if listeners have any more insight on this, is a little more deeply how... Race plays into our perceptions of women as psychics because going back for a second to Miss Cleo and her being so believable because she affected this Jamaican lilt and talked about voodoo. And I don't know. I just wonder if I, I just wonder kind of what's up with that. Like why um, this image is more why we were, we were so quick to to buy it. Well, I wonder if it has anything to do with just traditionally having viewed women from other cultures or countries as just the other anyway. Um, and why we would be so quick to believe like someone with a different accent who puts on a turban and big earrings. Yeah. The whole exoticizing factor mm-hmm. that makes total sense. Um, although if we look at the most prominent uh, characters on TV who are playing these kinds of mainstream psychics that uh, Karen Beeler highlights in her book, Sears, Witches and Psychics. Most of them are white ladies. Yeah, you've got, what is it, Patricia Arquette. You've got Jennifer Love Hewitt, which, uh, come on, you couldn't have cast someone else. Better. I've never seen the show. I probably shouldn't talk. Uh, go ahead and send your letters. I've never seen it. I'm sorry. Jennifer Love Hewitt, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. You've got great hair. She's got great hair. She has that beautiful hair. I mean, hey, I enjoyed Party of Five. <laughs> there was a show, though, and I, d- I don't have the um, actress's name in front of me, but Wonderfalls. It was a brief show, but a delight um, that she wasn't necessarily psychic, but objects would talk to her and she was objects objects would talk to her yeah like little little things like like the stapler kind of yeah the stapler might be like you should go investigate that 
thing over there. I'm impressed that a stapler would know about other things instead of just stapling. Oh, I've learned so much from staplers over the years, Carolyn. <laughs> have I been limiting? Have I been limiting uh, staplers? Quite possibly. I've been standing in the way of their progress. That's right. Don't even get me started on duct tape. <laughs> um, but one thing that that Beeler does note, she she kind of glosses over uh, the how sort of homogenous all of these characters are and and how curious that is that these lead roles that these protagonists are suddenly white even though if we think of the more stock characters it usually is like women of color yeah um, well i mean that's that's another thing uh, having stock characters and background characters and suspicious characters being women of color but then having like the lead in your 1 hour saturday night drama tv show being a white woman Ugh. Then, yeah, layers, layers, so many layers. Well, and she notes, too, what we mentioned earlier about how uh, and, and this also echoes our episode on Hollywood witches, how, of course, we would enjoy seeing a woman with supernatural psychic abilities because, you know, dudes can have the physical strength and the logic. But ladies, you know, just just using their feelings to fix things. <laughs> I wish my feelings fixed things. Right? Well, I mean, is that why we get, like, the douchey Chris Angel and what's the other one who's got a goatee? The illusionist? Yeah, like all of the, the weird magician illusionist people tend to be guys. That's what I was wondering as well, because you have, yeah, in, in this, if, if we broaden our scope even more to this entertainment industry. Magicians are men Mm -hmm. performing in front of audiences. Psychics tend to be women. One-on-one. One-on-one. Tapping Mm -hmm. into the emotions, whereas men are usually pulling things out of hats (laughs) and escaping from tanks of water. Pulling who knows what out of who knows where. My goodness, those illusionists being cut in half. Uh, but there's also that emotional labor aspect of it or the affective labor, as we talked about at the top of the podcast. And this was something that Dr. Corkman highlighted as well. And she was kind of blown over by the work that it does take to be a fortune teller. She was like going into this. It's like, oh, you're just going to like read some coffee grounds. No big deal. But a lot of them reported being so exhausted at the end of the day. Well, yeah, you've got to sit there and try to pull really emotional, sensitive information out of people, some of whom might be crying, some of whom might be skeptical and not not really going along with it. But if you've got to be attuned to every like eye twitch or glance or movement to try to pick up on someone's emotions, yeah, that does sound exhausting. And it's usually I mean, it's not reciprocated. That's another thing with this you know, the the energy being expended. It's not like they're going to get anything from return from these clients. Um, and Corkman notes that divination work is marginalized as a result of its feminization. So <laughs> it seems like being a psychic, unless you're like a celebrity psychic, like Sylvia Brown, who made like a bazillion dollars when she was alive, is often just a thankless job. But is... Divination truly dismissed. And I mean, I, I recognize that this is what Corkman's studies point to, but is it truly dismissed because it's feminized or is it dismissed because we have hundreds of years of history of people being like kind of jerked around by psychics and mediums and members of the occult? 
But I want to pull magicians back out of out of my top hat. <laughs> because think about that. We know, I mean, like, they now refer to themselves as illusionists in the same way that psychics legally in, in most municipalities have to emphasize that their services are for entertainment mm-hmm. only. And we know that magic isn't real, but we don't, I don't think that we... Mm give them the side eye quite as much as psychics. Yeah. I, I Yeah, that's true. I really only roll my eyes at people like Chris Angel just because he's Chris Angel. Um, not so much because someone's a magician or an illusionist or whatever. Whereas kind of across the board, I tend to roll my eyes at psychics. Well, and I guess I just realized as I was making that argument that, of course, we are not as side eye toward magicians because we are actually seeing their tricks happening. True. We see the things appear. We see the lady being sawn into sawn? Sewn? Sawed? <laughs> also the magic of me learning basic words I at love, 31. I love witnessing it. It's a beautiful thing. But you co- obviously can't see a psychic's promise happening right there in front of you. Well, maybe that's why you have a lot of psychics who do use quote unquote tools of the trade like crystal balls, like crystals, um, like, you know, just basic accessories that they have in their, their psychic rooms, uh, to try to lend an air of authenticity, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about it is scientifically, Psychic powers don't exist. I mean, the whole question of like, well, m- maybe women are more often psychics because they're more psychic than men. And the answer is no, women aren't more psychic than men because these powers don't exist. I mean, there was a 2012 University of London study, for instance, that essentially debunked psychic ability, although it was a rather small sample size. They had like two psychics sit down and had people write things on cards. I'm just imagining the opening scene of Ghostbusters <laughs> where Dr. Vinkman has the pretty girl in the basement. Anywho. It, actually, it was exactly that. And had a marshmallow man come out. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially what happened was the psychics were not able to guess what these people had written in any st- statistically significant kind of way. I think they mm-hmm. like failed across the board. But that also goes to show how, in a lot of ways, psychics today can be compared to life coaches, sort of just a little more more mystical. Yeah, just like somebody who's on Oprah's staff writing for O Magazine, which I've said time and time again is one of my favorite things to read in the world. I mean, a lot of those people are life coachy. Well, and I, I'm sure that there are listeners who have consulted psychics who are into getting their auras read. I am sure that there are some who do crystals because I feel like crystals are super popular yeah. right now. Um, one of my best friend's moms is all about some healing crystals. Yeah, I used to work at another old job. Um, uh, there was this very amazingly intelligent, sweet nurse who she was like a very strong Christian woman, but she also was big into crystal healing, which I thought was very interesting considering she was both a Christian and an actual like medical nurse. Uh, but yeah, she, she gave me a, a crystal to help ward off evil spirits and it, it did not keep that boss away from me. So I don't, I can't believe I can't buy into it, unfortunately. Well, I wonder what listeners have to say about all of this or are there any listeners who are psychics who do this kind of work. We want to hear from you and also are curious as to why you think that most psychics are women. 
momstuffathowstuffworks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at momstuffpodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you when we come right back from a quick break. One great resolution you can make for the new year is to maximize every minute and every dollar for your small business. And we know an easy way to do that with Stamps.com. Think about how much time you've wasted going to the post office, driving there and finding parking. Stamps.com is the better way to get postage. Just use what you already have, your computer and printer, to get official U.S. postage for any letter or package. Then the mail carrier picks it up. With Stamps.com, everything you would do at the post office, you can do right from your desk and at a fraction of the cost of one of those expensive postage meters. And right now, you can sign up for Stamps.com and use our promo code STUFF for a special offer. It's a four-week trial with a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in STUFF. That's Stamps.com. Enter STUFF. And now, back to the show. All right. Well, I have a letter here from Carly in response to our adult acne episode. She says... Um, I've been a long-time listener of the show and especially enjoy the topics on female health. When the episode on adult acne popped up, <laughs> uh, I listened immediately because it's been a major subject of frustration for me over the past several months. In the episode, you mentioned hormonal IUDs can sometimes cause acne. You also noted that copper IUDs are non-hormonal and thus will not factor into the hormonal acne equation. However, as I and many other women on Internet Message Boardland will tell you, these copper IUDs are thought to cause acne too. I got my copper IUD in just shy of a year ago. I was so happy to be free of daily hormones and to have a potentially 10-year-long solution to birth control with no fuss. Skip to six months later and my face is breaking out in painful cystic acne constantly and all over my face. Even before I was on the pill, I had never experienced anything to this degree. It was so bad I never wanted to leave the house, instead scouring the internet for potential causes and solutions. At first, I thought it was due to a hormonal imbalance from getting off the pill, but then I found a slew of message board conversations connecting the copper IUD to cystic acne, among other symptoms I won't get into here. Post after post, women recounted experiencing exactly the same course of events. Like me, many women had never had acne before and developed it after having the IUD in for several months. Subsequently, many women also wrote about how getting the IUD out immediately reduced their inflammation and then eventually solved the problem altogether. The theory goes that the copper in the IUD builds up in your body to much higher than normal levels and then inhibits zinc absorption. Because zinc is correlated with skin health, without adequate zinc, the skin goes haywire. From what I can tell, this copper toxicity theory is majorly anecdotal. I couldn't find one scientific study to verify the connection with the IUD to copper toxicity. This might explain why myself and other women were not told that this could be a possible symptom before getting the IUD and why women are constantly told there is no way the copper IUD is the cause of their acne because it doesn't affect hormones. After doing this research, I started taking a good zinc supplement, and my symptoms have really improved. I'm also getting the IUD out this week, so time will tell if the IUD is really the cause of my acne. I'm curious about this potential gap in research on this product. Perhaps another case of women's issues getting the short end of the research stick? Just wanted to share this in case there's any other frustrated and confused copper IUD users out there. So thanks, Carly. 
Well, I've got a letter here from Rachel also about our adult acne episode. She writes, I've been struggling with acne for the past 20 years and think that you two did a fabulous job of highlighting all the physical, emotional, and psychological tolls that acne can take on a woman. From my mother, who is approaching 60 and still gets sebaceous cysts, physically holding me down on our bathroom floor trying to pop one of my first pimples, to the odd in- intimacy of popping back knee with my husband, I'm pointing at you, Conger, <laughs> sebum has brought me both joy and pain, and mostly pain, in all forms. In the realm of remedies, I tried it all and only recently discovered spironolactone. It was recently recommended to me by a friend about a year and a half ago and has actually changed my life. After about 90 days on a very low dose, my skin was gorgeous. Since starting the medication, I've had a few breakouts, but they have not been anywhere near as horrible as the pimples of yesteryear and have made me realize how quickly I've become accustomed to a clear face and forgot the horrors of cystic acne. But I've recently decided to let nature take its course with my reproduction so I can no longer take it. My skin hasn't blown up yet, but I'm sure that's right around the corner. Keep up the great work on the podcast and keep on preaching the magic of spironolactone. So thanks, Rachel. And I can also attest that it is a fabulous drug. So, listeners, we want to hear from you now. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts, including this one, with our sources so you can learn more about psychics. Head on over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 